Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're listening to Griefcast with me, Cariad Lloyd. Griefcast is a place to talk, share and laugh about the peculiar human process of death and grief. Each week I talk to a different person about their experiences of grief and death as we remember someone that they have lost along the way. Whether it was a long time ago or you've just joined the club. Welcome to Griefcast. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, Griefsters. I hope you're having an okay week. Um, very excited for you to join me this week because today's Griefcast is a little bit different to how we normally do things. So as I normally speak to one person, um, this week I'm very delighted to have three amazing people here with me on Zoom right now. So first of all, I'm joined by Sam Locke. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Sam, where are, you, where are you calling me from? Calling me from like I'm on a radio show. Calling, yeah. I'm, I'm in my loft down in uh, Hove on the coast. Oh. That's a nice place yeah, in Hope. I'm also joined by the wonderful Irene Carey, who is consultant in palliative medicine from Guy's and St Thomas's. Thank you for joining us, Irene. Thank you. Are you on the sunny, sunny Hove? No, you're not, obviously. I'm in sunny Ballum. <laughs> just as glamorous, Irene, just as glamorous. And I'm also joined by Anna Lyons. She is from the organisation Life, Death, Whatever. She's also co-author of We All Know How This Ends. And if you've been listening to the show for a while, you'll remember that she came to speak to me, uh, I can't remember what episode it was, a while ago, about her role as an end-of-life doula. Anna, hello, thank you for coming back. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Oh, no, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much for all being here. So today is a really special episode. We are talking about an incredible person. You may have heard me mention her several times on this series of the Griefcast. Um, she was the wonderful Kimberly St. John. Kimberly was a palliative care nurse. Uh, she was also the transforming end of life care lead at Guys and St. Thomas's, and she led the Let's Talk program. If you ever came to a Griefcast live as well, you may have seen the amazing leaflets she used to give out, which helped give advice about how to talk to people about death and grief. And her whole life basically was about trying to change the conversation around death. She was incredible. And before 
Myself and my guests talk about how amazing she was. Let's hear from Kim herself. My job as a palliative care nurse has definitely changed me in a massive way. I'm very aware of um, living a life of purpose and meaning. So I'm very passionate about my work, both clinical work and my project work in addition to that. But I'm also always balancing that with the other things that I want to achieve. So, for example, I'm getting married this year um, and I wanted, I wanted to do that exactly as, as I want to and I wanted to do it. I didn't want to put it off. I see a lot of, I see a lot of families that have always put things like that off and they'll do it later. I don't want to do it later, I want to do it now. Um, I also want to be a mother, um, so I'm actively planning that. But then equally, I think if something were to happen to me and I were to die suddenly tomorrow, for example, I would not have any regrets. I, I still have ambition and goals, but if I didn't reach them because my life didn't get that far, then I would be satisfied that I have lived exactly as I wanted to and that I haven't missed out on anything. That was the incredible Kimberly St. John talking there, or Kim, as we all knew her. Um, so, Sam, perhaps it's good to start with you. Um, who was Kim to you? Who was Kim? It's <laughs> um, a big question, isn't it? I know. Well, I mean, formally, I guess she was my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Married her in 2019. But um, I guess separate to that, she was my best friend. She was my partner for a number of years. She was, uh, yeah, she was... She was everything, wasn't she? So, and when an amazing did, person. Ama- okay, amazing. I, I think we're going to be repeating ourselves about how, <laughs> how brilliant she was. You're holding back tears. I forgot yeah. quite. I just, I just <laughs> flipped my laptop started. screen down. <laughs> That's okay. As I say, whenever guests come on, they go, oh, sorry, I'm crying. I'm like, it is the podcast where that's allowed, you know? Like, it's not, it's definitely one where that's welcome. So let's start with, I mean, I have spoken a lot about her on the show this this year but when did Kim die Sam uh she died last July so it was July 12th at um just just gone midnight so first thing Sunday morning oh, about nine months ago a few days ago actually which is quite oh quite wow yeah it's yeah it's still shocking to me that it, even you saying it still see I mean I don't know you must feel this as well it still seems a very surreal thing for you to even be saying that to me, like the date of her death is like, oh yeah, and it, and it's so fresh as well. You haven't even done your first year yet, which is commonly one of the really shit ones. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's really weird. It's all the all the firsts that come round. So uh, it's, it's it's ridiculous what your mind does because the nine month anniversary, which was last, I'm also date to say, it was the twelfth, so a few days yeah. ago. It also marked the exact amount of time that we were also married together. So when I when I realised mm. that, it was like, oh, I've now been. A widower for the exact same length of time that I've been out. I've been married. It's weird. Like you just, yeah. I'll be walking on the street, and then my mind's just constantly doing really morbid maths, and it'll catch me off guard. And I'll, uh, <laughs> morbid maths. Morbid maths. <laughs> yeah. It's just, definitely yeah. A, a good phrase for it. <laughs> it's so true, isn't it? How your brain, especially that first year when you start noticing all those things, it's like, oh, it's the it's the X amount since that happened, and the X, and it's like, I don't know why the human brain needs to do that, but it does. It sort of needs mm. to grab onto those little markers. Um, Sam, would you mind telling us what happened? Just if if you don't mind, you don't have to go into that story. I just oh no, absolutely, I'm, yeah. I'm happy to. And actually, I'm glad that um, 
Irene's here because I've got my own interpretation of the medical aspect <laughs> yeah, of it. But, yeah. um, shit, I mean, so it was, uh, in layman's terms, it was a sudden and entirely unexpected stroke. She had a severe stroke. It was a, we, we think, we think, I don't think it's ever been confirmed that we think it was brought on by um, sort of intense exercise. We were training mm-hmm. outside in the back garden and, um, yeah, like one minute she was she was absolutely fine. We, we were training. I was doing my own thing in the corner, and then um, I'd noticed that she'd she she sort of in my, in my peripheral vision she she sort of sat down, and I thought she was just having a breather between sets. But then she sort of um, called out to me, and um, she was sat down, and it, she wasn't really saying words at that point. She was sort of mumbling, and I realised that something was a bit wrong, so I just sort of stopped whilst doing went over. And um, yeah, I, I recognised it straight away that all the symptoms were there. So it was uh, on called to the ambulance a couple of minutes later but she'd, she'd had a severe stroke and then from then on I mean she, she got rushed off to hospital obviously it was COVID times so wasn't allowed to go with her initially but shortly after they let me in so it was um, I think 14 hours later she um, she went downhill and she, she died after that so that was the morning that was a Saturday morning come just after midnight that night she actually uh, she died it's crazy it's mm. so it's so crazy it's such a I mean, I've had spoken to people who've had sudden tragedies before, but yeah, I I remember hearing the story of what had happened to Kim, and it's just one of those things. And I can't, you know, it's a stupid thing to say. I can't imagine, but how you must have felt because it's just it was so sudden, it's such a sudden, a sudden death. Oh my god! Yeah, it's absolutely no no um, pre-existing conditions. Yeah. Super healthy, absolutely just super active, really looked after herself and it's just yeah it's just completely it's just one of those things isn't it you, you think it's, it's the, the inevitable cliche you think it, you, you never think it would happen to you but you absolutely don't and then it does and then it's it is surreal is the right term it is really is just yeah. a I can't believe that's a thing it's, um, yeah because so my dad died when I was 15 and he was diagnosed in the February and dead by the April which I've had many people say to me oh gosh that's so fast but when you meet and I'm sure you must have this Irene when you you see what really fast looks like you're like actually that isn't that fast like to have a few months time to get it and I remember getting the message from you Sam that I think I got it on the Monday that something had happened and again you know my brain couldn't take in what had happened it was just it this the severity of it and as you say we all live in this world where we always you don't think it would happen but some kim was not on my list of people i was worried about you know what i mean like you have friends that aren't have mental health problems or aren't well or you know but kim like you said was someone who was fit healthy so full of life such somebody who like buzzed with it that yeah absolutely it wasn't in but i feel like is that a stupid thing to say when you're like oh but not her because <laughs> she was really she seemed really full of life it's like that's not how humanity works is it like no, absolutely not. Yeah. So this past nine months, Sam, I guess I can know, especially during COVID, like, mm. has it just been, again, is the surreal the only word left to sort of hook onto it? I, I think so. I think as as time goes on, I mean, my, my perspective has been that uh, there, there's always an element of of it just being so surreal. There's, there's always something, you know, you, you never, I, I never quite understand why it happened, I guess. It's yeah. just, at the end of the day, it's science, isn't it? Something. By something happened by chance, and someone that I cared about deeply just died in an instant. But it's, there's, I think COVID has really added an, an interesting sort of level uh, layer to it, I suppose, because it's almost like I think for for a lot of the world, for everyone, I'm sure we can all agree that you know time has paused, isn't it? Like the world has sort of yeah. stopped, and everyone's sort of 
found out found ways to try and survive through the period. For me, is I suppose for for a lot of other people as well who who knew and loved Kim, it's very much like um, I think the return to normality now with uh, all the different you know that this this tiered response, this tiered recovery back to relative normality, I suppose is um it's gonna it's it's, it's introducing it's, it, everyone's returning to their normal, but it's not it's not a normal. I haven't I haven't I haven't lived in a non-COVID time without Kim, so it's um yeah yeah. It's really, it's really interesting, and and, and just with and enough enough time has passed, and again, that's a, I guess a very relative term, but enough time has passed now that plans are starting to form, and you know, normal things are happening, and people are getting married, and there's all these sort of normal things that you might address, or you, you're doing your everyday life, and it'd be very normal, but it's just, it just introduces such a, it's just such a, it's just so many things to try and get your head around and it's just so many different layers to it it's really interesting I, I've had, I've had um, there's a couple of weddings that I planned for this year and I think one of them's going ahead one of them potentially isn't but it's, I remember I think one of the ways that I started sort of coping if that's the right term was just by not taking on too much and not really planning mm-hmm. for things too far in the future so inevitably when it, when um, I'm in a WhatsApp group for one of the stag twos and it all lit up a few months ago and it sort of it just reminded me oh my god there's a there's a wedding going ahead and it just floored me like completely mm. ruins me like, i spent a weekend just being completely anxious and i didn't really know what to do and in the end i ended up um i was just messaging the couple and apologizing and saying it's, it's quite likely i might not be able to attend this it might be quite strange but it's just these are just the normal life things aren't they things that yeah. you take for granted that as people pick up and pick up their lives again and start planning for these things it's like oh god I'm I've still got like I've still got Kim's work bag where she left it two days before she died like it hasn't gone yet which is <laughs> she'll probably do something about soon because I need to dust around it to be honest but um <laughs> no it makes it makes a lot of sense and I've been really thinking about people who've lost people in Covid times because we've talked about this so much on the show that um when when somebody dies pre-pandemic one of the things we all, a lot of myself and my guests would talk about is like wanting the world to stop. Wanting, you know, seeing people laughing in the park or shopping and being like, fuck you, how come do you get to have this life? And then you sort of wanted everyone to not to just stop and be in their houses and be quiet because that's how you felt. And they don't, and that's actually helpful because you see life all the time and it reminds you, yeah, okay, there's this world I'm gonna go back to. But to have to lose someone in COVID times when everyone is literally stopping and the world is literally not moving. So you it sort of gives you like this weird limbo, like you said, where there aren't things to remind you, oh yeah, everyone else is living their lives. Like, cause no, no one has been living their life. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. I've, I've had this conversation with a few people actually. I, I think there's almost two sides to it. There's an element of that exact thing you know there's a period of time where there isn't normal life you haven't yet had to go through these go through all these firsts and go through this reintegration mm. with normality and inevitably at some point you will but then perhaps on the other side because before that, i mean, lived with kim in this house and since then of course i've lived on my own and with all the restrictions i've been i've spent a lot of time in my own mm. in my own company and i think in that sense maybe it forces you to, to just i guess process things and and yeah. think about things just be surrounded by it so that I, I i in a weird way i'm quite intrigued to see what happens next i think because I, mm. I haven't had the i haven't necessarily been able to distract myself with things and you know go go and go across the world and escape from the yeah. uk for all that sort of stuff so. 
Yeah, I know. That's what I, I think it will be. Yeah, it is like, intriguing, as you said, is a good word of like what what grief will look like for people who've had to really have it shoved in their face for a year because they haven't had any distractions. Um, I mean, even mind if I come to you now. So you worked with Kim. I that's did, right, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yes. in the palliative yeah. care team. How long had you worked with her? Um, for five years. And yeah, she, I I said it um, at her funeral, Sam, didn't I? When she joined our team, I was on the interview panel and she was relatively junior then uh, because she went far very fast. And um, after she left the interview room, I remember turning to the panel and saying that girl just inspired me. I mean, she she was amazing from the very beginning and she joined the team. And yeah, she was just fantastic. To work with she was you know a great colleague and f- friend to people but she was also really fantastic at her job mm. and you know over those five years she went from doing a straightforward well it's it's not straightforward it's it's quite complex and quite hard-hitting but uh you know a, a direct clinical role working with patients and families who were you know approaching the end of their lives very often and then over time, she, she went more into project work um, in the last few years. And I think what we all saw with Kim was just a fantastic communicator. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think everybody, we've been talking about the fact she was so full of life and she really was. She was a very life affirming individual. Mm. And that really had an impact on the patients and the families that she was working with. Uh, so, you know, she sort of, it sounds a little bit trite, but she tried to turn negatives into positives a little bit. When when the situation was at its most bleak, Kim could bring a bit of positivity. Yeah. Um, and she could help families to find something positive in being at the deathbed of a dying patient, as, as Anna will probably talk about as well. But um, yeah, she what she she taught us all, I think, you know, the little things, focusing on the very small things that could make a big difference rather than just on the straightforward clinical things. And then as she got involved in the project work more, she she really understood um, we were working on having these conversations as somebody is dying or approaching the end of their lives and why those conversations are so challenging, both to the individuals, but also to the staff. Mm. And she sort of had these breakthrough revelations for us, really, about the importance of that actually from a patient and a family point of view, they very often don't have the right information. They're they're going on the information that they see in the media or in uh, the cinema or wherever. And so they don't come to the table with the right information to actually be able to play a meaningful part in the decisions that need to be made. Mm. about their care so she really focused on trying to um, improve that and develop information for people and then really try and recognising that society has a problem with this which is what you're doing of course with Griefcast trying to get the public into a place to to be ready to talk about these things so yeah she was amazing she was and I think you've you've captured what is quite hard to describe about Kim is that because she just kind of lived it, the way she talked about death was just like, not fine, but just like, yeah, oh yeah, like, oh, okay. And and I talk about death 
not as I don't think I even close to getting to the comfortableness that Kim was but when I met her I was like oh she's talking about the way that I sort of think it should be like yeah it's the thing it happens how are we going to deal with it and and there was no it wasn't like um because I think sometimes when you describe someone like that it's like oh it sounds like she was brusque or something but she said it in like the most lovely (laughs) in that (laughs) lovely Welsh accent like just like well you know we're gonna die and so we need to talk about it and I'd be like yeah she said it and I and I don't feel bad that's what I felt when she talked about death I didn't feel depressed negative worried I felt really calm like hmm yeah Kim's right that's it's all gonna happen and I she's one of the first people I've I've met who just it was just so there was a piece about the way she spoke about it which was very comforting and of course when I read her five things uh, for those of you who don't know life death whatever run this incredible Instagram campaign I suppose is the right word Anna uh, where they ask people for five things they have learned about their situation whether it's a bereavement or their own grief or a specific type of grief that they've been through and Kim shared her own five things she'd learned about being a palliative care nurse which was particularly brilliant and moving and after Kim died I shared Kim's five things on my page and people messaged me to say oh she looked after my uncle slash dad slash brother you know when they passed away like people remembered her as the the palliative care and I was like wow that is that's like that's someone who's good at their job isn't it because in that haze of you know when you are losing when someone is dying in front of you you often don't remember you remember kindness mm. I think mm. you remember oh that doctor was kind and if someone said who were they what they look like you'd be like I no idea <laughs> like I don't know um Anna when did you first meet her was it at Guys in St Thomas's no um she contacted me about five years ago and she told me that she'd been stalking me on the internet <laughs> <laughs> and she really wanted to meet for a coffee and we met in East Dulwich and we drank coffee and we ate cake and she told me that she really wanted to change the way people die um and I remember sitting there thinking, wow, and I think you're going to. Yeah, <laughs> you probably yeah. already are. But yeah, she was just incredible. And what really struck me, because I work, um, I work with lots of doctors and lots of nurses, and oftentimes they don't have the time to actually get to know the people behind mm. the illness. And what really struck me about Kim was that she properly cared about the person and Mm. she wanted to know about them. She wanted to know about their lives, about their family, and she wanted to make the end so much better for them. I don't think I've ever met anyone get so excited about diffusers that kind of squirt out lovely smells for people (laughs) in the hospital. She had this little collection in her office and one day she'd gone and she'd found some more and she called me and dragged me in and said, you've got to see these. But she just wanted to make everything better for people Mm. because she knew that making end of life better for them also impacts how people grieve and she wanted people to be able to live well with grief as well. I mean, I wanted to ask you how, you know, Sam has been yeah. talking about grieving in COVID times as a, a husband and, you know, having to leave the world. How has it been as someone who, you know, worked with her very closely? Because have you equally had that thing of not being able to... Yeah, how, how has it been? Yeah, I mean, I'm a little embarrassed speaking about it in front of Sam because obviously it's a very different <laughs> thing. But as he shakes his head, I knew you would... <laughs> Um, it's it's floor yeah it was very very devastating 
uh, for our team. Uh, she's she left a big hole. Mm. Uh, <laughs> there I go. <laughs> yeah, we're all going. We're all going right now. I'm just Everybody's gonna wipe going. my nose on my yeah, sleeve. Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> when someone's um, that amazing, we're all. That's why. Do you know what I mean? Obviously. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. She, I can, when you say left a big hole, I can completely imagine. Like, like I didn't. I probably knew Kim the least out of you three, and I feel like I still miss her. <laughs> so that's why I think for you guys to especially the people who were working with her on something that she was so passionate about. Yeah, I think there's there's a number of different levels, aren't there? So as as individuals, people have, have lost her as a friend and as colleagues, it it sort of, it, it, as one of, my, one of my friends and colleagues said, it, you know, it, a, a light went off mm. in, our, in our team and um, in our work. Yeah. But... Be more Kim is a big hashtag in, in our team now, and <laughs> that does help actually. So there's a lot of reflection on Kim, yeah, and what she was bringing. Because I think that's the thing, and you know, as Sam said, because it was such a shock, such a shock. I felt similarly. It, I went back and was looking and trying to remember things she told me and said to me, because I was like, because. I mean, and I, I think me and Anna had this conversation when we had a, <clears throat> a like a little drink to remember her when we were allowed to, of like, <laughs> you, even though you're people who are at the front of, you know, working in death, understanding death happens to everybody, we still were like, no, not, no, not Kim. Like, you Absolutely. know, even though we're people who, the, I constantly say to people, well, people die, this is what happened, I'm very, this is fine. And so I... I went back over emails and tried to remember conversations and yeah I think Be More Kim has been echoing in my head especially when I've been writing my book about death and what was Kim trying to say and what she was trying to communicate because yeah what the work she was doing. This is Paige the co-host of Giggly Squad and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome back to Griefcast with Carrie Ad Lloyd. Did she, Sam, did she talk about it a lot, her work? Was it like, were you sort of, you know, one of those people like, oh, God, she's going to start talking about death again? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's an interesting point, actually. It's something that I realised, I think, later on was just, <laughs> it became quite normal. I think she normalised it to the extent, you know, I, I'd come back and talk about my work and it would be very, very technical. And, oh, I've had a stressful day because this thing happened and this thing broke. And then she said, well, I, you know, I've had a tough day because this person died and this happened. It's like, oh, okay, it really puts it into, into perspective. But then, I think it happened for an, over a period of years, I think. It, 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 I mean, it's, it's in a weird way. I mean, you talk about what an amazing job, how good she was at, at normalising and talking about it in such a way that made it seem like it was quite accessible. And I think to an extent it sort of just, I wouldn't say it rubbed off on me. I'm, I'm not going to, I'm nothing on the, on the same level. But I think when you spend long enough with someone, I think it does, yeah. I have caught myself in, you know, social situations, pubs, and you know, I'll be with some friends and I'll say something and then it will just go quiet. I'll be like, oh, no, people don't usually talk about this stuff in such an open setting. I probably shouldn't be saying that. And it's, um... A be less Kim moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> dial, dial back the Kim just a little bit, yeah. But that's um... so true because she, she was so open about it. And so when I say, so she first contacted me, so obviously I've been doing, and it's funny actually because it was probably about, five years ago so that's quite interesting isn't it all three of us is like five years ago um she contacted me because I was doing the grief cast and she really liked it and she was doing an event at the vaults festival and so I get you know I get lots of random emails about death things and I sort of was like oh is she a performer like because the vaults festival if you don't know is this like it's a theatre festival in London <clears throat> underneath London Bridge Station and I know lots of people who do like stand-up shows and plays and I was like no she's just wants to talk about death and I was like oh is she a performer then <laughs> no she's not a performer and my brain was like her, so she's a she's a palliative care and she just wants to talk about and she said I booked it I thought oh yeah okay love all right fine so I, I agreed and then she's slightly emailing me going oh it's sold out and I was like she's so she's she's sold out an event about death like I struggled to do that when I've got three comedians <laughs> that are like household names so I was like okay and yeah, this, you know, when I turned out, and I, I know I've said this Sam already, like, I turned up very dubious, very like, oh, God, what have I agreed to? <laughs> like, some event when I'm talking about death of this woman I don't know, and she had a bunch of daffodils, and obviously, <laughs> half well, she got me there. And she was just so amazing. And then before I know it, there's these crowd of people turning up, and we're going into this huge room <laughs> to just talk about death. And I was like, because the big thing for me when I do my grief cast live events is like, I always sell it to people. It's like, don't worry, there's comedians, it's going to be okay. Like, and she didn't have that caveat. She was like, no, no, <laughs> we're just going to talk about death. But because she was, as I said, her attitude was so fine about it, the audience were completely fine about it. <clears throat> and she had her amazing leaflets that she used to come to my grief cast events <laughs> and hand out. She, every time I booked one, she'd email me, Kelly, I'm going to come beforehand, put up my leaflets. And I was like, that's fine. And then I'd always point to in the audience, be like, those leaflets from Kim. And she'd like wave at everybody. And I, I sort of, again, took it for granted slightly because I was like, oh yeah, Kim and her leaflets. Yeah, that's fine. And then I started thinking, 
you know, this leaflet that basically was a guide of how to talk about, talk to people who are dying or dead, you know, a sort of very simple with pictures and some words of like how this might be helpful. And I was like, actually, that that's an incredible piece of like a political activism that she was doing by taking the time to make that leaflet to support it with guys in St Thomas's to then come to an event where people she knew they they were on her side they were people who didn't want to talk about death and get them and I just suddenly thought you know there's things with Kim that she seemed to make seem very normal like you said Sam like it seemed very normal that someone's turning up to an event with leaflets about how to talk about death and actually you go actually that's not normal it's kind of extraordinary um that she totally. Was that. Yeah. She she was utterly brave. She was so fearless yeah. in doing that type of thing. I, yeah. I went I went to that panel show that 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 you were on and that she yes. chaired, and it was phenomenal because this was you know, this was my friend and colleague who I had never seen doing anything like that either. You know, she really stepped up every time she yeah. did these things, and that was listed in the top ten things to do in London this weekend in Time Out. <laughs> it was just. I know and I remember her saying that and me being like how did you get the death event to be but again you know you said she just her her attitude one I think was amazing but her communication skills because it made it so clear what nobody was confused which I think obviously mm. as a palliative care nurse must be like number one genuine brilliant skill because you never felt confused with what she was trying to communicate to you she was so clear with that without being as I said she wasn't brusque at all or formal she was so personable I think that's so right she had absolute clarity Mm. when she was speaking she was always very articulate and she was clear what she was talking about and what she was not talking about but she was so authentic and compassionate with everything she was saying so the the opposite of brusque wasn't she Mm, but it was always she had real vision and real clarity about what she was trying to communicate and we don't all have that no I was gonna say like I know so many people who don't have that skill like it's such a rare skill she always wanted she always tried to communicate or she always I'm really I say I'm not articulating this but she would always meet you where you were at yes so she would communicate with people the way that they could understand and it was never just sort of her pushing her agenda it was she would always find out how you know people would understand things best and deliver it that way that was for me was really remarkable how she read the room she yeah. understood what somebody needed and that's what she gave them it wasn't about her just sort of going in and showing up and saying what she wanted to say yeah that's such a good way of putting it yeah she did she could like and again and read the room like that's a real performer skill like that is what you need as a performer to be like what is this how is this room judging me what how do I change my material and and I felt like that on that panel I was like this woman I've never sat there being like (laughs) she's not a comedian she's not an actor she's holding this panel together and cracking jokes at the same time and I was yeah I was I was blown away with her then and that was when we sort of became friends after that because I was like oh no no you're like (laughs) <laughs> you're not just some person I'm doing an event for you're like you're special um now at that event was just to come back to some of the things that Kim did she started talking about um now I'm going to use the wrong phrase here I mean oh my god what is it what's the what you can put in place that there's a word for it the so de- advanced care planning advanced care planning thank you sorry thank you sorry Kim sorry I'm oh, sorry that's all she ever talked to me about so there are lots of different phrases out there Carrie, right. so you yeah. can be forgiven yeah. thank you thank you <laughs> So yeah, she started talking about advanced care planning 
and she start she made a joke at the event about how she'd emailed her parents with her her wishes and um yeah and she was very, you know really funny about it and i remember thinking oh my god i haven't i haven't done like mrs griefcast and i haven't done that because i'm sort of like i'm working on it and um, and sam i wonder if you mind talking a little bit about what she had put in place for her advanced care plan and how that then actually became beneficial well when she when she made that joke about her you know the response her emailing around i remember receiving that email <laughs> i remember she put a, a message in our family whatsapp and said just don't want to scare any of you i just want to let you know that i just sent this email around and we were okay we were just thinking okay that's good I, i've actually still sat in my inbox i think but um it's really interesting that you say that i think inevitably well not inevitably it's the wrong time i think really she put it in place because the work that she did and the sort of uh, exposure that she'd had to this sort of thing had really made her realize what she'd want to happen in that sort of situation i think because of her approach and her very much person and person-centered care it's less about the medical aspects and the let's do everything we can to keep this person alive but it's more appreciating that this person may be beyond the mm. place where they actually want that to, to happen i think she'd she had enough experience to know that that's not what she wanted so and then in her own in her own plan basically as a document and i couldn't go through the formalities of it and actually i haven't looked at it in quite some time to be honest but it was um very much along the along the lines so um inevitably it didn't, it didn't come to that it will happen so quickly but if it, if it had come down to that situation perhaps she was uh being kept alive on various forms of mm. medical equipment it would have uh her wishes would have been for that not to be the case i think so yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm so I haven't written mine yet, and my, my, <laughs> Kim is my wife, and she's died, and I still haven't done it. And I just like, oh, I mean, I do grief cards, and I haven't done it, and yeah. I couldn't hear Kim to explaining She'd to be me. Shaking her head, I know. <laughs> we went, we were at a conference um, in Westminster for Independent Age, and we were sitting there, and she was sort of across the room from me, and this, the keynote speaker was talking all sorts of things that we didn't agree with and she kept looking over at me and I kept looking over at her and one of the things that they talked about was the essentials of um, writing an advanced directive and we had a chat afterwards and she went home and did hers and she kept emailing me saying I've done mine I've done mine have you done yours yet (laughs) and I was like I've started (laughs) and every couple of days have you done yours yet <laughs> to my shame, and I'm yeah. so sorry, Kim. I still haven't finished it. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I, just, I think you've spoken about this as well. I think you've highlighted the, just the quality that Kim had, which I think yeah. to me has always stood out as a thing that just set her apart from from anyone else I know, and is the reason that she achieved so much and did so much is the fact that she ought, <laughs> used to drive me mad, and I used to drive her mad by not being the same. But she always just did that extra thing. And it was just yeah. little, little, like, insignificant things that you think, oh, you know, the impact of me not doing that is, is insignificant, you know, it's, it's not going to do anything. But she always did that, always did that extra thing, and then that yeah. just compounded over time, and then it just, it just builds momentum. And she, that's why, like, she would have gone away from, she would have come back from that conference, and she'd have sat down, it would be the first thing she did, she'd sit on the sofa, and she'd just do it. <laughs> and I would, and I'd be like, oh, you know, I'm going to go over there and do this thing, and then, oh, yeah, that's, exactly what I did except she kept (laughs) poking and poking so I did almost but she always used to finish and follow through and get stuff done I just think it's amazing because when I did that panel it's the first time I'd ever heard like advanced care plan and this idea that you could 
you know, have this sort of document that said, well, no, I don't want this, or I do want this. I sort of hadn't conceived of it, really. And I think that comes back to what you were saying, Irene, about how much we absorb of death from media that you sort of just think oh well don't they just keep you alive until they can't and then that's the end of it and I even and that's someone you know I watched my dad die I know that's not how it works I know that people reach a point when you know you need to make choices and make decisions and yeah she I remember her saying to me at that panel just trying to talk to me about it and being like you could do it being again like all, all of us here like I will I will um <laughs> But I just found that so amazing that she had just, I mean, yeah, it's just Kim, isn't it? She, like you said, went that extra mile, but also, I guess, wasn't scared. Because obviously the part of me that doesn't want to do it is like, oh, I don't want to write, I don't want to write it down because I'm afraid of death. Even though I do this podcast, even though I talk about it every day, there's still this part of me that fears it. And that's what I felt with Kim. She just was like the utter acceptance of it. And I really admi- I admired that so much because I was like, that's what I want to get. That's what I tell everybody they should have. <laughs> but like, you know, she was like, the, I felt like in that way of like, she'd passed through the Stargate and that she had got acceptance to it, which is quite rare for someone like you said no underlying health problems not like someone who is facing a situation where like oh I have to think about these things I think her work had an impact on that didn't it she Mm. talked about that that her work made her have an appreciation but for me the only sort of comforting thing when she died so suddenly was that she had lived such a full life Mm. and I think that played part in her acceptance didn't it because she she always said she wanted to live a a life of meaning and purpose and she always did like Sam said that extra thing um to give it that meaning and purpose and to see that through so she always achieved so much every day Mm. as she was going along that actually even though her life was tragically cut short she she lived it to its full yeah she did everything yesterday (laughs) (laughs) does she call it morbid gratitude i think that's what she she used to call it when she would do like a simple task like she would describe running up the stairs and say how grateful she was that she could run up the stairs and it would you know we just run up the stairs automatically and don't think about it but she did she thought about all of these things and how incredible it is that we are sitting here and breathing and chatting and doing these normal things yeah, I think she and the five things that she did for life, death, whatever. Sorry, I always want to go life, death, whatever, because my London likes it. And I have to like, life, death, whatever, Radio 4, career. No, I actually much prefer it with whatever. <laughs> whatever, whatever, whatever. Life, death, whatever. Um, <coughs> sorry. Her five things that she did for you, I know is in your book as well, and is just... And Sam's five and, things and, and sitting Sam's next to hers now. Yeah, mm. which is so beautiful. And I, I come back to hers because I think if ever you feel like, not moany, but like the world is getting you down a bit or you're, you're kind of grumping in a way that, you know, there isn't anything <laughs> really wrong. I read it the other day and I was like, oh, yeah, Kim, all right, all right. Oh, you're right. <laughs> like, I'm really, actually, everything's fine. And I think morbid gratitude is like, that's such a brilliant phrase for it to just be like, mm. yeah, I, I am grateful because I know because I've seen such shit horrible things, I'm aware yeah. of how precious this is. Um, what do you, um, this is probably not, might be this crap question, but um, maybe Anna, like what do you think she wanted? What was her biggest thing that she wanted people to change about their attitude to death? I think she just wanted people to open up. I think mm. she wanted people to embrace the idea that life is finite mm. so that they could take on a kind of 
feelings of morbid gratitude. She wanted people to do the things that they wanted to do and not put them off. And she wanted everyone. She was so kind of inclusive in her approach. She wanted everyone to be able to have as good a life as possible, regardless of what they were living with. Mm. Yeah, what would you say, Irene? Would you? I'd very much agree with that. And I think... um she in the nature in the line of work that she and i are are in we see these conversations when they haven't taken place earlier when people haven't thought about things and they haven't spoken to their families and they haven't uh, made any plans or just considered what's important to them and then we see the impact of that when those conversations perhaps are forced on people later mm. and i think she she wanted less of that she wanted people to be able to engage in making decisions for themselves um, and have the facts yeah. that they needed and be talking to staff, doctors, nurses who were equipped with being able to have those sensitive conversations. Mm. Um, yeah, she wanted things as good as possible for as many people as possible. And she wanted to make ripples. She talked about making ripples. She did. And, and she made think, a lot of ripples. <laughs> she yeah. did. And and she was a bit of an activist in mm. there, wasn't she? And I think, you know, she talked about the Blue Planet moment and about after... You, you must remember this, Sam. After Blue Planet, that, you know, everybody stopped, wanted to stop using plastic kind of thing. We finally got it yeah, about plastic. Yeah. And she was like, what's going to be the Blue Planet moment for end-of-life care? Wow, that's such an interesting way to think about it, the way her brain worked, because she's right. You know, like, like you know, for, for people who do work in talking about death, like, you know everyone needs to have these conversations. And even though I haven't done my advanced care plan, I have had conversations <laughs> with my exactly. husband about stuff, which I never would have done had I not done Griefcast or read books or spoke to Kim. And I remember I was reading one book about, you know, all these decisions you could make. And we were in bed together. I'm sure Sam might relate to this. And I just turned to Ben and was like, oh, if I'm ever like in vegetative state, like turn me off. And he was like, okay, like this is like, we're just going to bed. And I thought, this is right the... Yeah, yeah. I was like, but I'm just saying it now because when I'm, when's a good time to say it? There's no good time to say it, is it? So I'm just telling you, like, if that happens, like, don't, don't feel you have to like keep me going for months. It's fine. And he was like, reading his paper, just like, okay, <laughs> I'll go to bed now. And... But it made me think when you're in when you're dealing with death on a daily basis, or if it's part of your if you're married to someone who's in the industry, you're like you said you're you slightly become not what's the word I'm looking for you, you know it it becomes more normalised to you it becomes a bit less scary and so we can have those conversations a little bit easier not as we can all admit not completely easy but there's like ten percent ease of like I don't mind talking about it but for so many other people the first time they've even thought about it is when they're faced you know meeting a nurse at ICU and being like oh I have to make decisions about mm. donations or what they want or how they how we're going to do this and it's I can't imagine how difficult it is when you if you've, you've never conceived of it it's much harder as well to have these conversations if you're unwell mm. so once you're given a diagnosis if you've never thought about it it takes on this whole new level of pain whereas if you have these conversations when you're well and you're young it it's so much easier and I think Kim really wanted 
people to start having them now and not wait until they'd got a diagnosis, not wait until it was too late. Yeah, and I think that's, that, I mean, you know, I've been writing about this as well, of like, we, we act like it's one conversation. Like, it's just one conversation about death and that's it. It's like, not. it's a bank account. Like, no, I've done it. I don't have to think about it ever, ever again. And nothing in life is like that. And because I've been thinking about it, my opinions have changed on things. So things I would have initially thought, oh, yeah, no way. For my funeral, this has happened. And now, like, you think, no, actually, I've had a few years to brew. And because I've talked about it with my friends or on the show, you build an opinion about it. You build a vocabulary around it. And I couldn't agree more. When you're dealing with that and you are you know sick and ill and on very hardcore drugs that are affecting all these other things and you're surrounded by people you love who are also in pieces like there's no one even calm to go oh hey yeah I'll talk to you about it because they're having to deal with (laughs) oh you might be dying it it's why are we saving it to that moment it's like the worst worst possible moment to have any of those conversations I think in the whole sort of be more Kim thing she never put anything off and Mm. if we're going to learn anything it's don't put this off talk about it now Sam how can I ask you about the funeral um I know that Anna and Irene were obviously able to go I was in possible isolation waiting for a covid test (laughs) to come back (laughs) but I watched it on zoom which was yeah very strange but also very lovely and I wondered how um yeah how do you feel like you've do you feel like you've had the ritual you needed or do you feel like you're still, like you said, as life opens up, is it kind of... Oh, it's a really good question. I, oh, that was that was cruel, I think, having mm. to, especially for someone as, as big and as popular as Kim, yeah. like the, the number of people that wanted to be there and having to organise with, with those restrictions, it was, it was awful. But then, I mean, I had a lot of, a lot of people helping me and actually we ended up working with um, funeral directors and... In Brighton, they were incredible. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if name dropping is a thing here, but they, they oh, you were, can they were, you can name drop oh, yeah. that too. Yeah, yeah. They, they were called they were called Arca Funerals. They're, they're they're absolutely amazing. They just they went what wonderful people. They went above and beyond. Then really sort of helped us facilitate something which was slightly more appropriate. So I mean, even still, it was. I, I suspect there are a number of people that wanted to be. Well, I, I can confirm that there are a number of people that wanted to be there that couldn't. Um, mm. Yourself included, but. Um, I, th- I think we did a reasonably good job, all things considered. Oh, it's considered. beautiful, yeah. Yeah, I think... I, it was, it, it, I, it's such a strange time to think back to, because it happened, it's such a blur. It's such yeah. a strange thing to have to organise, but it, it, it ended up as three separate events. There was like an initial, sort of more open thing. I don't know what it was. I don't know, up and up, just outside of the South Downs, outside of Brighton, it was like a people could come and see the casket and then gather in social distance sort of way. And then there was a uh, ceremony that's beautiful. We had an amazing, um, what do you call it, a regist- uh, what's, uh, the, geez. Celebrant. 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 Celebrant, thank you. <laughs> a really amazing celebrant. Um, and then we had uh, afterwards, my, my personal favourite part was the, uh, <laughs> the swim afterwards. We did a, a big big sort of gathering, again, socially distant gathering, of course, on the on the beach in, in Hove. And just loads of people turned up and everyone just ran in the sea and it was it was amazing. So that was really cool. But um, would I, I mean, obviously, I've, ideally, it wouldn't have been in this situation in the first place, but without the restrictions, of course, I would love to have had a much, a much grander affair. I think mm. a lot of people would want to have been there. So um, it was, it was, it was hard. It was um, the, the, the wacky plans we were thinking up to try and get around all the restrictions <laughs> and enable people to be there. It's just, it was, it was really, really difficult. Yeah, and it's that's the thing, and I'm sure. Yeah, anyone who's been to a funeral of someone who 
was of an age where it's a shock is normally the main the main thing I've always found at, at someone who's young is the amount of people like you can't believe because of course how many people do we all know when you're you know when a, compared to going to someone who is 90 and maybe their contemporaries are not with us as well so yeah I think it was it was so sad that you couldn't have that that huge send-off do you have any like oh, this is just me asking do you have any plans for like anything now it's lifted or are you thinking about stuff for the anniversary or yeah no absolutely yeah it's, uh, it like sounds it's like i'm inviting myself yeah. doesn't it i miss the swim guys I miss yeah, the swim. No, no, it, it sounds like i asked you to, to bring this question up no, really. no, no, sorry i was no. just thinking about because you know he said like Kim was such a, it's so interesting, I think, us speaking about her because what we're saying is this person was full of life and their life was talking about death. So it's like a really weird juxtaposition. But she was, it's so hard to, like, I can't emphasise enough how full of life she was and how much, I thought one of the beautiful things was, you know, um, it was around the coffin, wasn't it? The sunflowers. Mm. And that became the sort of, the flower of it. And I thought, yeah, I couldn't think of a more fitting flower for Kim, just this absolute burst of colour and joy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's, but yellow has become such a significant colour to me. It always was. It was always her favourite colour. I mean, she had her favourite raincoat. She bought it a few years ago. One of my favourite <laughs> photos of her is in Iceland. And it's like, it's grey and we're next to a waterfall and it is bitterly cold, like hypothermia levels of cold. And she's like crumpled down. And it's like really dark and she's just bright and she's just smart. And it's just, it's just Kim. It's just, yeah. and it's just personifies her and it's amazing. And then, on the beach last year, there were pe- people had brought along sunflowers, and just before everyone sort of charged into the waters, they were just handing them out, and everyone was just charging into the water, <laughs> holding sunflowers. It was absolutely, it was incredible. Um, yeah, it's amazing. But in answer to your earlier question, absolutely. Um, I think the Saturday after the twelfth, so it's the seventeenth. I think we're going to try, try, obviously mm-hmm. restriction permitting and recreate it, but hopefully with slightly less um, less restrictions. So. Yeah, I mean, it's it's such a, it just I just I feel for you because, which seems such an empty thing to say, but grief is so sheer, and then grief in COVID times, it's just like, you know, it's just so difficult because all those rituals and things that we have as developed as a society to put into place, are are not there, and it yeah, it's I hope that we, you know, I know lots of people have felt like that who, have had smaller funerals and. I mean, the amount of people I've heard saying, oh, we'll do a memorial when it's all over. I'm like, but it's going to be Memorial City for like <laughs> a year. We're going to going to memorials. There's going to be uh, ashes everywhere. Yeah. Which would be, <laughs> be nice, hopefully nice in a way. And uh, yeah, hopefully, like you said, that juxtaposition of life and death, which she was, she was just, yeah, she was just so good at that. And I, I think Be More Kim <laughs> is such a, such a good a good place maybe for us to like wrap up the conversation because i just think hopefully if people listen to this show they can understand quite what she was quite what she was trying to do and and have those conversations be brave i think kim was such a good example of like you can do it and and be okay you know what i mean you can have those conversations nobody breaks down sobbing and can't stand back up again like it can become part of your life to talk about death I think the thing that I would like to say is that Kim never saw herself as brave and she was so incredibly modest about this kind of wealth of brilliance and knowledge that she had and she encouraged people to be brave and we saw her as this incredibly brave brilliant woman but she just 
never saw herself as that and I hope I hope that she knows that we all thought that she was the best I, th- I think I think she knew but I think um, she was cringing every point she thought about it <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah she was amazing well look thank you all so much for talking and giving me your time because it was an absolute joy to talk about one of the most brilliant people thank i just want to say thank you so much for the opportunity to talk about it it's just um it's a privilege to be quite honest oh yeah. no it's just uh, i just feel so cross that i didn't speak to her beforehand because it just didn't you know it just was on my you know oh yeah that'd be great but you know and that, we that's, always think we have time i know i know and that's what it's just so i'm just so so glad that yeah we can hopefully at least remember yeah. her it's been lovely way. to do this for her yeah Thank you so much for listening to the Griefcast. If you want some more information on the work that Kim was doing, you can head to the Let's Talk page on the Guys in St Thomas's website. That's guysinsttthomases.nhs.uk forward slash let's talk. And you can also head to the Compassion in Dying page, compassionindying.org.uk. Anna's book, We All Know How This Ends, is out now by Life, Death, Whatever. That's Anna Lyons and Louise Winter. You can follow them on Instagram at lifedeathwhat as well if you want to see many of their brilliant examples of the other five things. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Griefcast. The show was edited by Kate Holland. It was recorded remotely in all our living rooms in Sam's Loft. And the music was provided by The Glue Ensemble. And remember, you are not alone. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.